Welcome back, pet peevers, to Chris and Riggs Pet Peeves, a show where we discuss the many aspects of everyday life that annoy us and become a dreaded pet peeves. I am one of your hosts, Regan Lovig. And I'm your other host, Chris Bryson, and this week we're talking about school. So all aspects of school from elementary school to middle school to secondary school to post-secondary school to, well, I guess that's all we did. So yeah. up to post-secondary school. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think, we were talking about before we started recording how we didn't want to make this about the system and making just talking about, well, I'm annoyed by the politics in university. We definitely didn't want to make it about that and keep it a little more lighthearted. So I Talk think about our school went on strike for the whole episode. I was hoping you bring that up. One of us would bring it up. Yeah, that is, we were in, we graduated university in 2011 and it just so happened in our fourth year, was it six weeks we were on strikes or almost eight? Uh, yeah, it was like, because I, I think it was around reading week that it started. So it was into April when it ended. So it was a while. Yeah. Yeah. So over two months. Yeah. It's our school went on strike of the teachers and we were just kind of floating around. Three weeks became another three weeks. And then we're just like, what do we do? We had our Mexico trip planned for 12 of us of our graduating class to go down to Mexico and I think we finished our exams two days before we flew out because <laughs> school got pushed back as a result. It was such a stressful time. Yeah. And I wasn't even there for that. No. Yeah, we all had commitments. Chris had booked to do like a cross-country trip with his parents, right? Yeah, they, they, they like shipped their van out, like spent some good money to make that happen. So, yeah. yeah. I didn't write that down as pet peeve, but that is definitely <laughs> something that was annoying. Our collective pet peeve. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I actually think, I don't know if we had the record in Canada, but it was near the time. I think there's one on the East Coast that was like over three months or something of, of a student or a strike. And we were close to that, which is just embarrassing for the school. Yeah. Now, what's new in you? Got the New Year's cobwebs shaken off, feeling good. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, got diagnosed with sleep apnea early in the year, and I got one of those CPAP machines. Which I was saying to a, a friend of mine at work that, like, you see it, like, you know, other people that have it, or in movies or TV when people have it. And this might sound bad, but in your head, there's, I think, there's always something in your head where, like, oh, that's unattractive. But when you're the one wearing it and it works, you're like, I don't care. I don't care what I look like. So you're feeling good. Yeah, like the, the most tangible thing was, um, I think I mentioned this to you, was like during Christmas break, which was before I got the machine, I'd like wake up at eight and then by 10, I'd be ready for a nap. And then like the two hours before then, I'd do nothing. Hmm. And now that's not the case. So that's the most tangible thing where it's like seeing improvement. Awesome. Um, yeah, and like like one thing they do, so it's like, they measure how many times you stop breathing. So when I did the test back in November, they call them events each time you stop breathing. And then the test, I averaged 62 events per hour. Whoa. Yeah, so not good. So <laughs> more than once a minute. And um, since I've gotten the machine, I, like they want you less than five events per hour. And since I've gotten the machine, I've been around like one to two events per hour. 
sense. So if anyone is a mouth breather and is having trouble falling asleep, it's a great way to deal with that. So. And how is Kate dealing with it? I know you said she's a heavy sleeper. Well, the machines now are actually super quiet. So cool. I think that was the thing with older machines is they're quite loud. Mm -hmm. But with my machine, like if everything's plugged in properly, it's actually silent. Because the, the air, which is like blowing in pretty hard, is going up your nose. It's just if there's a, a break in the seal, then it's quite loud. But yeah. uh, that doesn't happen that often. So. Oh, that's great, man. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. And happy to hear the technology's gotten better because my brother had one and mm -hmm. whew, I didn't sleep a wink. That thing was uh, so loud. No, my dad has one too. And I think he's a bit jealous because his goes over his whole face or mine's just over my nose. So it's a bit less intrusive. He's full on Darth Vader. Yeah, exactly. How are you, man? Doing pretty good. Yeah, I have been doing... I'm not a huge New Year's resolution guy, but I do use it to really reflect a little bit. So I reflected on my morning routine and slowly starts dwindle. And part of that was really not looking at my phone much and trying to read or journal more in the morning. And while I have been doing that over the past, pretty consistently over the past couple of years, and I do like a morning stretch that my rule is to never break a sweat. I don't want it to be a workout, but it's just to wake up for the day. I've noticed that I've started, I do that and have my cup of coffee and look at my phone and I didn't like that. So I'm back into my reading and journaling. So feeling really good about that and getting into more nonfiction kind of self-help books, which I find my body absorbs better in the morning. So doing that at the moment, and I'm actually blitzing through the Will Smith memoir. So right. this morning, I'm just out of town, uh, just back on the coast to drop off my dog and um, it's awesome here. We have the fire and then we're right in the ocean. So super peaceful. So reading the book this morning, I found, I was happy to do it for 10 minutes and 10 minutes became a half an hour. So very peaceful. So I'm happy, feeling pretty good about that. And then after we're done here, I'm going to go shred the gym. So uh, just trying to get on top of those goals to make sure that my health is on top of it and it does feel good to not stare at my phone so early in the morning because i am a morning riser so when it's dark out and you're staring at a bright screen i don't think it's the healthiest even though the general population probably does it far too much yeah my parents have been like obviously it's not a bad thing but they've been really good at like pushing certain self-help help books and other like life management books on me mm. and like buying them for me and i've just been the worst at like yeah i'll get to it sort of thing so um, really i should there's no reason not to but i'm just like okay there's just so many yeah and some of them contradict one another you get some person saying that this exercise is beneficial and the other person says it's not so you need to find your avenue and once you go down it it's like you have to commit to it but i also like to hear differing arguments because that's how you get educated so it just takes a lot of time i found i was actually really trying to listen to audiobooks and podcasts for those ones but i find and i still do for podcasts when they're interviewing guests but it was an actual book i really like to have that tangible so i can actually I'm totally on the topic of school just i feel like a, a schoolboy again just like highlighting and bookmarking things because then you can revisit it where if it's a book I tend to be walking or exercising. So it's goes in one ear and out the next. It doesn't really absorb. So that's why I'm liking my morning routine. So 
Although seeing myself on screen right now, like I just, I look tired, but I'm feeling good. <laughs> I don't know me. I, my, because of my shoulder issues, I was up at 4.30 this morning and was up till 7.30 then went back to bed till 9.30. So. Oh, you're a little lethargic. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it needs to, like my shoulder needs to wake up sort of thing nowadays. So. Oh man. Talking to Mr. Injury over here. I yeah. totally can relate. Yeah. And that's good that you're sleeping better. Not that you can fully compare, but because this is new, your shoulder, right? But if you had yeah. this and you still weren't sleeping that well, um, then your recovery would be so much worse. So yeah. I'm thinking you're going to get a lot better, probably a lot faster than your body was used to. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a bit extra sore today too, because the physio just went to town on my arm yesterday too. So. Oh, yeah. Did they ever do that scraper? So what she was doing on my bicep yesterday, yeah. It hurts during, and sometimes it feels really good, but man, the next day, it's just like, holy, my body's yeah, destroyed. Well, it's funny because she does it, she did it to find where the pain was, mm. but it's like, if you're digging your thumb into someone's bicep, even if you don't have any issues, it's going to hurt. Yeah. So it's like, does it hurt here? It's like, yes, it hurts every time you do that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm glad you're on the mend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, before we get into it, what's give me what's one movie you watched this week? Um, well, I watched what was a, a good one to go to. I watched The Fugitive yesterday. Oh, I saw that in Letterbox this morning. I just happened to go on there. Man, that movie is it's just so good. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, I was thinking maybe that, like out of pure chance, if there'll be one day where we watch the exact same movie on the exact same day. Our interests are pretty similar. I think it's going to happen. But yeah, watching The Fugitive, oh, yeah, obviously a classic movie, but um, sort of watching some movies, I've like my short list of just actors that make acting look easy. And right now, so it was John Malkovich and then now Tommy Lee Jones. You think they make it look easy? Like, no, no, sorry, not make it look easy, but like do it effortlessly. Yes. Like it's like they're still doing well. Like they're doing it, like they're acting well, but they're not. I want to say they're not trying, but there's like a at the beginning when after the train crash and the bus and they're sort of like starting their brief on the situation and Tommy Lee Jones is like, you know, giving out orders and it's like his mouth isn't barely moving, his face is barely moving, but like the punch that he gives to like the orders that he give, is giving is so good. Good point. I think the 90s were so good to Tommy Lee Jones because he finally found his his niche in Hollywood mm -hmm. and they tried to make him a little bit of a quasi action star, uh, but it wasn't quite like Arnold style. So he, he found a good, uh, really good niche there for sure. And mm -hmm. the fugitive, obviously he got awarded for that. Yeah, you're right. He is pretty effortless, especially as like uh, kind of cantankerous guy in charge. He's so good. Cause that's, I think that's what he is in real life. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was the, the, the golden globes. Right? Yeah telling jokes and they just cut to him and he's just like yeah yeah that was good that was probably the best bit of the night and it wasn't even the bit exactly yeah <laughs> tommy lee jones being himself what's the drug called again in uh, Pro provasic yeah 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 <laughs> random i just for some reason that was in my head that's yeah, a great movie mm -hmm. how about you man what did i want uh 
I actually, because of Will Smith, and I, I mentioned this before, I'm trying to go my Michael Keaton route, but I can't find all of his movies and I really want to do them in order. So I've, but with Will Smith reading the memoir, I just, I'm trying, to, the movies he's talking about is the ones I'm going through. So he's just starting to talk about an Independence Day. I'm like, I've seen this movie well over 20 times. I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. So I turned it on while cleaning the house yesterday, actually. So it's more of a background thing, but that was fun to take. I just love those 90s movies. Um, but I also am just really into action, 90s action movies at the moment. So The Fugitive is something I might revisit now as well. Mm. But yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing crazy. Independence Day has one of the subgenres I like too of the build up to the disaster. I think it does really well. You and your subgenres. Yeah. One subgenre is that I'm not a big fan of, like the one gripe I had of The Fugitive is guys in their mid 40s fighting each other. Because <laughs> it's like those fight scenes are a bit clunky. When it's Harrison Ford and um, his like doctor friend at the end. Yeah, that's true. But also realistic because it's like guys that old and they never really fought. Yeah, I guess if you're pitting two doctors against each other fighting, it's not going to be some dazzling display of skill. True. Yeah. Well, let's get peeving. Let's get peeving. All right, welcome back everyone. So we'll get to our peeving on school today. Um, reflecting on the past aspects of our school lives. Regan, let's kick it off with one of yours. Okay, so school obviously spans many decades and you're in a lot of different <laughs> times of your life. I'm choosing one from when I was feeling very vulnerable when I was in between the span of grade, I'd say grade four to about grade eight. So you're changing a lot during that time. And I was always peeved by the notion of shirts versus skins. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever play that? When, okay, yeah. Especially in the, the later spring and early summer or beginning of the, right when the beginning of the school year, that one was always the worst because you change so much over the summer. And in oh. grade six, I went through my chubby stage. Most of it self-induced, just the fact that I was eating two packs of Oreos a day. And they're like, hey, and the year before I was just like the scrawny kids, like Regan, your skins, <laughs> take off my shirt and just getting made fun of them. Like, <laughs> why do we do this to ourselves? We also have like, just like the wide range of when like guys that age start puberty too. So, such a wide range. Yeah. So it's just like, you could have like a, two 10 year olds and one of them already has like armpit hair. Sort of range, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I do... It makes sense like a boys it's boys being boys too it's just like all right like especially at that age you're thinking like oh i got muscles when really you don't and girls are watching you at that age and i just remember i'm like i am never going to be skins again <laughs> so of course then people pick up on that and start to make fun of you so <laughs> shirts versus the skin was something i wonder if that still happens yeah i think too is that at that age like male or female like your general perception of the opposite sex is way off like you think it's a lot like, like oh my god like he's so buff when it's like the scrawny dude <laughs> that's true yeah. yeah he's got a six pack he actually is just really skinny he's got you, could, you could just see his ribs yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's christian bale in insomnia yeah <laughs> not insomnia uh what the hell x mark no um the machinist thank you yeah, yeah insomnia rescued 
or rescue Don. He, he did it a couple times. Yeah, quite a few. <laughs> but like not to tangent too much, but if you look at his career, it's like the amount of like putting on weight, losing weight, putting on weight, losing weight. It's just like he's put a number on his body. I would say he's in the top three actors who've done it. Other ones that come to mind, Tom Hanks has done it. His has never been as drastic as Christian Bale, I would say, but he's done it a few times. Who are some of the others? I know Robert De Niro is very famous to do it for Raging Bull. He gained like 80 pounds or maybe not that much, but just for the, the last 10 minutes of the movie, he gained all that weight. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't done it many times in his career. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just thinking of like the the Matt Damon and George Clooney's where it's like they like they're they're, they're gaining like 20 pounds I think it was um the informant and I forget the George Clooney movie it was like a political movie where he's like Ariana yeah but they're not like gaining like a bunch of weight it's like I just got like dad bought for this role sort of thing although the opposite for Matt Damon is early career was courage under fire he, it was he looks sickly and he's talked about it many times I've, i i really like him so i follow him on podcasts and he's discussed it a few times where he he suffered for years after that just with his the way his body reacted because he lost so much weight and when he started to gain it back his chemistry was all messed up like that yeah but it is especially because he's got a pretty pronounced jawline anyways and when he's skinny like it, he just looks like a almost like horse-like with his jaw like uh, definitely he did a good as like a ex an heroin addict who was going through ptsd yeah it's good i just rewatched it a few weeks ago so <laughs> right on well we'll tangent back to my first pet peeve which is grade six or i guess maybe around grade six when you but when you start sex education i was wondering and, if one of us is gonna have this um specifically about sex ed well i guess a couple of things one um that like i'm not going to talk about all public school teachers but like how many like looking back on your time like your teachers around them like were they really prepared to teach sex ed to a bunch of 12 year olds like i feel like that's a you need to be the right person to tackle that Um, but also more specifically did you ever have the question box for sex ed no it's like you could like anonymously put a question in about sex and puberty and all that stuff. So if it's like an embarrassing question, cause you're, you're 12 and you're around your friends, um, good intentions. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. In theory. But you're like to have, to expect a group of 12 year olds to take that seriously is a bit too high of an expectation. Um, specifically, I just remember in ours, we had one, um, and it sort of shut down the question period pretty quick. Was <laughs> that one of the questions was, "What happens if you pee inside someone?" <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually on the teacher, man. If they're pulling a, a, a hat anonymous, they should know not to ask that question. You got to screen it, yeah. But they said it out loud to the group, which is like now the whole class is just losing it because <laughs> <laughs> that is such a good kids question i'm sure the person who wrote it probably wasn't all super jokey about it i mean at that age you don't know anything exactly yeah they might, they might think that's how sex works <laughs> someone <laughs> oh that's good well i regarding the teachers 
I was always fascinated with the fact that you get someone who you can clearly see they're awkward about this. They don't want to be doing it. They're very uncomfortable teaching these kids about it. And then you get the other side of the spectrum. We had a teacher that almost seemed too horn dogged and was just more than happy to talk about everything. Not in a sexual manner, like I love sex. It was just like all too comfortable. Kind of like that your mom talking to you about you're going through changes. It's like, you don't want to hear this stuff. It's just like, you're too comfortable with this. I wouldn't mind some awkwardness. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, I feel, <laughs> I feel like when you like sign up to be a public school teacher, it's like, that's not your number one on the list of like reasons why, or like your skills as a teacher is yeah. I can sex ed really well. Like, I don't think that's a number one on someone's list. No, the evolution though, of learning sex ed, at, let's say whatever you start, would be like when you're 12, so grade six or seven, and then if you get it all the way up to grade 12, I mean, by that time, a lot of people are already having sex. So the evolution of education and the questions that are being asked are, it's quite drastic. And I remember getting, even having some sex ed stuff at the beginning of high school, like grade 10 or so. I'm like, well, I actually know a lot of people around me right now who are already fooling around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think by grade nine for me, it was more like health. So it's, yeah. talk about, it's just talking about the risks. Good point. The school kind of understood that yes by the time you get to high school you're probably well not probably but there are people in high school that will be sexually active so it's more about protection and stds and stuff rather than this is a penis and this is a vagina <laughs> let's test on the banana <laughs> i will say though for context like i went to a christian school and while i was fairly and but all my other closer friends went to public school so and I went and visited them often and stuff. The school itself and the curriculum and how it was set up was very similar. And we didn't have to wear uniforms. We didn't go to like church services. It was just a private school, but just smaller. But everything else seemed somewhat normal. Of course, we didn't have options like wood shop. It was just a lot more limited, which is definitely a pet peeve. <laughs> but I also I found that. Uh, so <laughs> the, what was frustrating there from that perspective of going to a Christian school is that they didn't so focus so much on the risk of it. It was just like, don't do this because God doesn't want you to. And uh, sex before marriage is bad. Like they barely talked about STDs. And I think it's very important. And, and honestly, maybe call this is some of my own issues. I should have educated myself, but that stuck with me even to my adulthood that like that wasn't top of mind. So mm. what was top of mind was like, don't get someone pregnant, but sure that's part of it, but it really should have been more about the risks and all these diseases that can come about and being responsible. But there was so much about like the sin of it that, that, yeah, I don't, I don't have kids, but when I do, I don't know if I want them to go to a school like that because that really irked me as I went into my adulthood. I'm like, this isn't the way to approach sex ed. Like there was, there was a scare tactic. Yeah. If you approach, if you approach it as abstinence as the only contraceptive, then loads of people are going to get pregnant. So very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good one. I, I totally, I was going to put that down myself and I'm like, well, I'm going to wait on this one. So I'm glad you brought it up. That's a good discussion. My second one actually fast forwards to university. So this one is professors who have clearly been using the same material for many decades and don't really give a flying F about progressing to, to new technologies. Yeah. I yeah. think you can probably imagine some of their professors at university who I'm talking about. Yeah, it's an interesting setup. I always like 
don't know, not to talk too much about the systems and that, but for a professor, it's, you know, you need a master's degree to become a professor rather than going to teacher's college or anything like that. So naturally, you're going to talk about your master's stuff because that's what you know. So it sort of creates that issue there. True. Or, or I was more thinking from the perspective, like uh, a teacher, I'll just name drop because I think we both really respected him, but he was old school and he would open, but it was Fister, Bob Fister, man. He, he just was <laughs> teaching stuff that he taught 30 years prior to that. And the good mm -hmm. thing is, is that he had an awesome heart and he is a very smart man. So I wanted to learn, but he's using slides that had dates on it from like 1992 and talking about facts that are totally progressed since then. I was like, I don't know if this is factual anymore. It was fact then, but things have changed. <laughs> Same with Delamere. I'm just like, dude, you need to get with the times here. Like, adapt a little bit. We're paying good money for you to teach us things that are currently happening. Get some projector slides out, like it's 1995. Yep. <laughs> so it's, I think it happens everywhere. And some of it, I don't want to say only teach current things because we need to know history. But it was more just the fact of how they approach it. They're just not embracing that. And just teaching the same thing. I feel for them too. I'm like, man, you've been, you do the same syllabus every single year. Have some fun with it. And they just yeah. keep on doing the same stuff. And it's like, well, some of them actually seem to really enjoy it. So I don't want to take that from them. But it's it always irritated me. I'm like, I'm, the, I'm just another cog in the wheel for you. I'm like, this is every year you do the same. And I don't really feel special as a result. Yeah. I'm not an expert, but like, like does a professor sort of like I wouldn't say they have free reign, but like, they they give a lot of input as to their what their class is. I feel compared to like a public school teacher or elementary high school teacher. I think that's the benefit of being a professor. Yeah, you have a lot of more freedom, and a lot of them are doing their own training and research as well in that department. So they're using that to to learn and to get other students to assist. And I think there's a lot more freedom and uh, creativity within that. Yeah, whereas I think in high school and elementary school in particular, it's like a set format. Like you have to follow that. I think you're in a pretty small square box. Yeah, it's like the province sets it up for you. And you're, that's what you do. Hence why you get a lot more money as a professor. Yeah, yeah. Those What's your second one? Uh, my next one is uh, there should be rules in elementary school, high school, university that certain classes shouldn't happen first thing in the morning. Ooh, I like so that. I, yeah, I have a couple of uh, examples. Um, so in grade 12, I had English class first period. And like it was, it was a combination of things. So back then in grade 12, I was swimming um, three mornings a week before school, like Monday, yep. Wednesday, Friday, and we just go to uh, Mr. Williamson's grade 12 English class and just be so zonked out and tired. And I remember one time, like, 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 you know, trying my best to stay awake, but falling asleep from time to time. And rightfully so, Mr. Williamson asking me to stay behind after class once um, and approach the subject of me falling asleep by asking if I was blowing weed before class. His words. <laughs> Jeez. Blowing weed. Blowing weed, yeah. So I told him I was swimming, and then he told me that I should stop swimming. 
And I was like, I'm not going to stop swimming for grade 12 English class. Priorities, man. Jeez. And my second one, you'll, you'll feel this too, but economics class. Homac. Yeah. Did you ever, like when we were at VIU, were we in that class together? The one that everyone didn't had to take twice? Oh, I totally missed. Yeah, economics. So I said HOMEC. So that's something different. Yeah, I know what you mean by economics. I, I did not have to take that one twice. I had to take the English class twice, but. Yeah, I guess that was when we were in different sections, but mm -hmm. the tourism side for economics, because it was like, we needed to see whatever to, to pass. And it was just, yeah, first thing in the morning. And it's like, not a time to talk about scarcity and supply and demand. So like, like most of us had to take it a second time because we didn't do so well. Yeah, great point. I, th I would hope that teachers would can talk about these things, consider it, mm -hmm. I don't know. But I, I do remember in high school having gym class. It wasn't like the fact of going and having the energy to do so. I was always pretty ready to rock, but there would be, I remember one semester in grade 11, we had gym class or PE in the first thing. And I was frustrated because I didn't want to go to school and welcome people looking like a grab solid shower and then go straight to gym class and just start sweating. And I'm like, oh, I have to shower again within yeah. two hours. It's such a minor detail, but I remember being annoyed by that one. But it wasn't the fact of like, oh, shoot, I, I'm too tired to do this. It was just kind of annoying to get sweaty again right away. And at that time, too, to harken back to what we just discussed, you know, you're going through changes like I wanted to impress people that age too. So I like, I spent a lot of time making sure I looked okay <laughs> to school and then all of a sudden I have to go mess it up. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever have homeroom as a thing in high school? Yeah, I liked homeroom. It was, it was good, a good way to dial into the day or ease into the day nicely. Yeah, we had that for my first thing when I was in grade nine. It was like your first period was like half an hour longer mm -hmm. for that reason. But then it just stopped after grade nine for me. I don't know why. Yeah, maybe just a change in the system. But it makes sense. Like you have like, yeah, like that half an hour where you're not taking a certain class, you're in a classroom. And like, if you have things to do, then you get them done then instead of like, let's talk about like Romeo and Juliet at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We actually did, I mentioned it earlier that we didn't, being a Christian school wasn't, all these super religious but we did have a mandatory like religion class but the good thing is we talked about many different religions which i think yeah. is kind of cool because there's so many out there so you don't just it's not really biased you learn a lot about a lot uh, of other religions throughout the world and that one was tough we had i had that one morning and you come in you're like oh man just talking about this centuries old religion and hearing all about it you're like oh this is heavy and i don't think i'm into this right now <laughs> That's a good one. My last one is definitely high school for me. It could be in many different facets, but it's lunchtime awkwardness on where and who to sit with. That was always like you walk up like the movies and it's just like, where do I sit? Who's like the cool group and people starting to judge you? Where do you sit? Fortunately, I got along with most groups, but still it's like, do I sit with these guys today or these guys? And if you wait too long, people notice and you get judged. Yeah, in my high school, the way it was built, and I'll sort of get into this a bit later for another one of mine is, because um, like some high schools, their cafeterias can fit a big chunk of the school. Mm -hmm. 
where like my high school is about a thousand kids and you could probably fit maybe about a hundred in the cafeteria. So like I could probably count on one hand how many times I ate in the cafeteria in my time in high school. So I think by grade 10, there was just a group of friends of I, we just meet in a hallway where right. I locked the door and ate. So never had that awkwardness myself, but it was just because the high school I went to was like 200 something years old. So, and couldn't be rebuilt. So. Yeah, that's it. That's not a huge deal, but I remember being a little, it always irritated me. It was on my mind, like 1130 rolled around. I'm like, oh man, in half an hour from now, I'm going to stand up and not know where to sit. Yeah. But that was a me problem. I don't think many people were really worried about it. Uh, it's, it's, that's the classic presentation. Yeah. As you said, in movies, <laughs> you can like physically see it too. Like your, your arms are in, you're kind of timid. Yeah. Yeah. Setting off that vibe. Yeah. Just pull a, a Katie from Mean Girls and go eat in the stall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get some alone time. Is that, that always, that shocks me now that I think about that. It's like, there's many other places. You can just go sit in a hallway. That was a big high school. Or you can just go sit in the stands outside. Why, why yeah. would you choose to go sit in a bathroom stall? That's gross. <laughs> Especially with your food. Yeah, that's what I mean. I <laughs> What's your last um, one? I have a few, but they're they're quick, so I'll go through them. Quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first one is um, elementary school, um, and it was just probably the same for you. But we we're we we're definitely past the corporal punishment stage mm. when we were in elementary school. Mm. So punishment was quite mild when I was a kid, but it worked so well on me. And I'm pet peeved that it worked on me. So the main, <laughs> the main punishment we'd get would be putting your head on your desk. Yes. Got that yeah. too. We're like looking, like I remember one time, I forget why, but I had to do that. And I was like bawling my eyes out because I was so upset I got in trouble. But like if someone like were to tell me that now, I'd be like, oh, cool. I'm going to have a nap. Like it's just like such a funny, like, like this will teach them. Go put your head on your desk. It is kind of funny. That was, that was the go-to punishment when I was in elementary school. I was of the era too, still on the back end of it, I think, and it was more parental than it was about the school system, is I bit my nails a lot. And I hate that this worked, but my teacher actually smacked my fingernails with a ruler. Ugh. Yeah, like that's... We're a bit beyond that. I'm... Oh, yeah, it's pretty gnarly. and and But it worked. I was just like, it hurts so much. And mm -hmm. I just, I stopped biting my nails. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just feel like, like, I don't know, like if you're a teacher, like, is that really your job? It's not. That's not your responsibility. That's like my if I was a teacher and I had a kid who bit his nails. Like, I, would, I wouldn't care. I, I might mention something like, you know, probably not yeah. the best habit, but yeah. I'm not going to smack your fingers. Yeah. Uh, my next one was um, just in my time, like working with kids in high school and having friends of mine that have kids that are in high school is that I feel like their options are way cooler nowadays for classes and stuff. Agreed. I thought this um, one. Like when I went back to my high school, like five years ago, I had to get some, some transcripts for school. And I was talking to one of, one of our old teachers and um, they're like, they had like, um, like film studies was a thing. I wish. And that, and then like one of my friends who has kids in high school, like they have rock climbing as a phys ed credit sort of thing. Um, like one thing I will say is that when I was in high school, we had something called focus programs. Mm. 
which were, it was like the whole school district. And it was mainly for kids that were like the general structure of high school wasn't for them. But they could still get credits doing a very like specific all day class. Um, so I got to do, I got to build a guitar because of that. That's so cool. Like an electric guitar. Um, and they also had like, you could make a demo, learn how to make like record music. They did like, um, like running a radio station. Um, they had ones based on like historic topics. So there was like Gaelic studies where you'd, that'd be your thing all day. And that, so that was really cool. But I feel like nowadays it's, it's more catered to what kids might actually like mm. where they still learn. Like there's high schools here that have like, um, like body shops for cars. Like you can do that where when I was in high school, when you started, it was like, okay, as your extra, you could do drama, art or music which is like pretty standard stuff. But nowadays it's like, there's way cooler options for sure. Yeah, with all the technology, I'm sure they have like podcasting rooms now mm. in high school. It's like, well, you can do this as a credit and actually make your own. And yeah, editing, you can edit videos now way more exactly. accessible than you could back when we were kids. Yeah, and then that's the best age to learn that stuff too, because oh. you're way, way more keen when you're 15, 16 and yeah, learn faster and take it in. Um, like I, I got to do a bit of web development when I was in high school, which was great, but yeah. I still remember when the people came in with their laptops, again, I'm aging myself here, but they were at the time the dweebs and there was three, I can remember three guys and they were the nicest dudes. I, I was friends with them. They were a year younger than me and they got just mercifully destroyed and made fun of because they brought their laptops in. We're talking, these laptops are like pretty much the size of a desktop computer now. Mm. And, and they were like very insecure about it. Now everyone has computers. Yeah. <laughs> and my last one was, um, this is both, so kindergarten and my first year of university. So starting off a new type of education. I feel like I was a bit spoiled in those years. So in, in kindergarten, we had a loft in our room, um, like to go up and nap or just hang out. And I think in my head as a young four-year-old, I was like, oh, is this in every classroom? Like a cool little loft thing, which if I you know, get to grade one, you're like, oh no, never mind. Um, and then in university, before I went to VIU, I went to school in Ottawa, uh, to Carleton University for a year. And I remember like their cafeteria was just like top notch. I remember we had like a card so I could have 14 meals a week at the cafeteria. And it was like omelet bar, like all these different things. And then coming to VIU, I was like, oh, it's the same, right? And it's like, nope, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see how that's a B for sure. You're used to one thing. Yeah. Well, it was great to a Carlton because I was swimming varsity. So it was just like you swim in the morning, you go straight to the cafeteria to have like three breakfasts. Oh, that would be the best. Yeah. Yeah, I'd eat so much, especially at that age. Yeah. And then you, you have this thing where it's like, so you'd scan in and that would count as one meal for the week. But if you just stayed long enough, you could just stay till lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Your metabolism is so fast then too. It's like, yeah, I'm hungry again. I haven't done anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got to swim in another four hours anyway. So might as well eat some more. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Mm -hmm. Those are mine. Those are all of them. Okay. Well, I'm sure we could go on forever. I was telling Chris, though, I struggle with some of these. I couldn't really get a bunch together. So those are good ones. I made my notes at 4.30 this morning when I couldn't sleep because of my <laughs> shoulders. So.
I was rolling around at like five. I'm, I'm an early riser anyways, but yeah. just being away from home, I was hoping to get a little bit of sleep in. But so that's when I was doing my thinking as well. I find too, I don't know, like, let me know if you do this too. But one thing I find is like when I'm thinking of ideas or like putting down notes for our episodes, one thing I'll do, like it doesn't help, but I'll like look around the room. Like I'll like spotting something in the room will like trigger something in my mind to be like, oh yeah, like put that down. It's a strong sense for sure. Yeah. I do that for lightning peaks. That actually helps for lightning peaks. Oh, I, I totally do that for lightning yeah. peaks. Yeah. There's one time I was doing notes for lightning peaks at work. So I think it was a work heavy one because I was just like looking around and be like, what bothers me here? Yes, especially at work that if you're not happy in the surroundings and the environment. <laughs> well, let's get into lightning peaks. Speaking of lightning peaks. Um, as we have done before, uh, Regan and I will pop off <clears throat> five lightning peeves each back and forth with little to no commentary, just getting that out into the world. So Regan, do you want to kick us off? I do. Here we go. My first one is having to stifle a yawn so as to not offend who you're talking to. <laughs> it's like doing a lot of work to make it not happen. Yeah. I feel that it makes it kind of worse. It does make it worse. It's not satisfying at all. And then you look like an idiot. Um, my first one is losing that heavy feeling in your eyes when you're trying to fall asleep. Oh, man. And I do love getting that feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. Constantly having to correct the pronunciation of my name. Reagan. Yep. Regan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like Regis. Nope. <laughs> Well, you know, my, my boring white guy name, I don't have that. Um, why do meal utensils come in so many different sizes? I know. There's a lot of tradition to that, too, but it's, it's make this simple. Just so random. <laughs> I said about opening doors last week, my lightning peeves. I got another one. This is when someone opens a door for you, but you're so far away, and now you need to pick up the pace just to get there. It is awkward. You're like, ah, you're being nice, but now I have to like trot. Over. <laughs> trot. <laughs> um, that I've become such a wimp to cold weather since I've lived on Vancouver Island. Yes, your body has minus, adapted. Minus five is the worst thing here. Where, like, I lived in the Yukon for a year, and like, I couldn't even fathom what minus forty is anymore. So different though, man, being on the, the wet coast, the West coast, that wetness gets in your bones. And when oh, it's yeah. mine under zero, it's hard to get warm. One thing about living in white horses, it's the opposite of that. It's quite dry. Yeah. When it's minus 40, it's obviously still cold, but your like eyelashes aren't freezing. Sort of thing. This is a left-handed problem. Getting ink on my hand when writing. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm right-handed. It happens, but when I'm writing backwards. <laughs> okay, which I'm sure you don't do too often. Um, watch, ratchet, watch rashes. Yeah, good one. Like how often that happens and then how uncomfortable it gets. And also saying watch rashes is cool. <laughs> you didn't know that was a pet peeve until right now? Yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> I typed it. I haven't said it out loud yet, but it's quite difficult. So good tongue twister. 
Okay, I'm a big nerd with my Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. I watch it every single night. So this is a huge pet peeve of mine is the process of saying, can I buy a valve on Wheel of Fortune? When you can save time and just say, I buy an O. The more time you save, the more chances you get at earning more money. It's pretty simple. Has Pat Sajak ever like turned someone down from buying a valve? Probably he's super witty. He can be very sarcastic. Uh, so I, but not since I've watched, but over 38 years, I'm sure he has. We can like skim through the Wheel of Fortune rules and be like, maybe there's a rule that like at certain times you can't buy a vowel and therefore you need to ask. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just never understood that. I'm thinking, uh, can I buy a, a vowel, Pat? Yes, you've watched this game. That's why you're on the show. You understand how it works. Buy a vowel. Yeah. Uh, my last one is how shoes of the same size can somehow be wildly different in size. So our feet, our feet, like mine feet are 10 and a half, 11 ish and 10 and a half and 11 ish shoes can be such a wide range, range of sizes. So. Yes. Agreed. That one is annoying. I guess it's just because they're made in so many different places in the world. Yeah. Same with the utensils, I guess. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for listening to us talk about school today. Next week, while we do not have a topic, we will have our first guest on, uh, my wife. <laughs> like if I'm saying that I have to do it with a boring voice. So my wife, Kate, will be on. Um, she will be picking the, the topic of choice and Regan and I will chime in as best we can. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat already. So we'll see what she... <laughs> Brings up. Tell her though, if she wants to just make it dirty, we're fine with that. Okay. Yeah. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And we will talk to you next week. And then the week after that, we have another great topic we do know already. So we'll announce that next week. Indeed. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Bye.